And welcome back after a very long, long break to the, what is this called? The Is it the bonus features? Yeah, bonus features. That's the what bonus it was, features yeah. podcast. Uh, I am Pastor Ed, and uh, as always, uh, here with me is Pastor Matt. Most of the time, I'd say. Not not always, but yeah. So, Matt, what would you say, why are you, how, what is, what has brought you back here to the studio uh, after such a long break uh, that you're sitting here at this table now of all, of all, of all the times? Is, um, is it not an adequate answer to say my boss said, what do you think about doing the podcast again? I think that... Um, it would be better if you, <laughs> if that were the reason, yeah. but you then had your own reason yeah, that yeah, you yeah. kind of made up, well, yeah, you let's, know, um, because yeah. that's, I, I like the illusion of free will, <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah. but I actually yeah. say what to do in every yeah. situation. Divine grace, uh, divine appointment. Um, just, well, I, I think this week's sermon is like a perfect illustration of the amount that you know that you can't talk about and, and knowing that these are really good, deep spiritual biblical truths that can have a deep impact on our lives that are important for us to know about and you know sunday morning is such a constrained time of everything that a worship service takes not being able to talk about some of the amazing things that you know you you find in scripture and you you think can really relate to people's lives help help us as believers to to know and apply to our lives and so i think being able to talk about that and uh, share that is for me it's a lot of fun and hopefully it's you know meaningful to the people that are listening yeah i mean i i hope it is too um you'd hate to think someone turns it off and goes yeah not meaningful yeah not meaningful um i uh i i would definitely agree i think you know you especially when you do these word studies there's so many rabbit trails you can go down and you really want to share everything you you can partly because the information is interesting, partly because you see how it connects to real life. And then also the more you're able to share, the more like validity and credibility it gives to these other parts of the Bible that you're reading. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, I mean, we get to see kind of all the supporting structure behind what you what you read in the Bible. Oftentimes it take at face value when you look at these word studies and you look at the history and you look at what these things mean and these concepts and stuff. It, it, yeah. it undergirds everything and so yeah i think being able to get to express even the like the meta narrative of scripture that is the big story of scripture yeah yeah that word that's a that's a seminary word that's a that's a first semester seminary word so yeah but the big story of scripture and, and how you all of scripture is connected and yet for so many of us um we can't make sense of the different parts of scripture. We don't see how they tie together. So I think having a way that we can kind of dive deeper into this is how we see this theme playing out over the course of the entirety of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, how it all ties together. And it just gives such a rich uh, flavor to the study of the word on Sunday mornings. Hmm. So Matt, this we're in an Advent series right now. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we started out with hope last week. We did peace uh, this week. Could you give us the thirty second flyby of what your sermon was? Yeah. So we we looked at uh, the story of Matthew of the rich young man and his search for eternal life, and actually 
uh, kind of diving down the levels of, of what that search means with Jesus and realizing and feeling that he was lacking something very essential. And really what, what he's searching for, what we're all searching for, is peace, God's peace in our life. The, the shalom is the Hebrew word. And essentially getting to the place where Jesus unveils to him, look, this thing that you're searching for, this completeness, um, wholeness uh, that you want so desperately, uh, can only happen when your whole heart is actually in it. And that's something that we're very usually very slow to come to. Um, we're even probably uh, scared of getting to that place of saying, okay, I'm going to give my entire heart, everything I am over to God and trust that it's actually better in his hands than mine. And so that would be the very, you know, Mm -hmm. 30,000 foot view of what we talked about. So you specifically, I remember you telling me last week that you um, wanted to talk about peace without necessarily talking about shalom itself, because that that is sort of the something that you've already taught on here. And as a teacher, you kind of try not to repeat yourself, which is good. But then also as a preacher, you realize that sometimes people need to hear things more than once. So you did just sort of refer to how much shalom has behind it and in it. Um, and for somebody who doesn't, just just on the off chance, mm-hmm. I'm saying, just on the off chance, that there is someone in the church that doesn't remember, yeah. <laughs> um, could you explain it to me maybe as if I were a child yeah. um, and I myself uh, don't don't remember or have never heard of that concept, Shalom. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It is true for them. Yeah, you try, not for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to emphasize. Yeah, yeah. I I don't even remember what I talked about the last time, but I know I talked about Shalom, and you know that is the thing. Like when you talk about peace in Scripture, it, it really is like it's such a huge word. It's such an important idea. It really is impossible to get away from it. But I think the idea this time around was really trying to say, okay this is what this thing means but how do we go about having it what does jesus say to the rich young man about this is the you know this is the direction for how you can you know have that in your life but um you know usually yeah we 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 refer to it as peace and yet there's a whole lot more there that it's not just simply the absence of conflict but it's actually in god's kingdom shalom it replaces war with something so much better and so it, it's actually referred uh, a better understanding, a more literal understanding of the word is completeness, is wholeness. And so actually in Joshua, when they're talking about making an altar, um, it says to find a, a rock that is shalom. And that means it's complete, a stone with no cracks in it and um, whole, complete. You know, I guess you could say perfect in a way, but um, in Job, he, he refers to his flocks as, as having shalom because, uh, or his tent and his camp as having shalom because all of his flock is accounted for. Nothing's myth- missing, nothing's out of place. And so uh, it, it's a word that can actually refer to our life. Um, I referenced, didn't really talk about it on Sunday, but on one of the slides, it, when David visits his brothers on the battlefield, he asks about the shalom uh, or his father. Jesse tells them to ask about their shalom, uh, their life. It is everything for them in the way it is. And, and here they are in the midst of a war. It's, you know, if we just understand his peace, you know, how's your peace? Uh, that's a really weird kind of insensitive question to ask. But uh, Jesse is wanting David to ask them, you know, are, are, are you as yourself, your life, are you, are you in a good place? Uh, um, you know, even in the midst of everything that's going on. And so, you know, the idea being that when anything breaks down, 
uh, in our life, we, we, we lose shalom. Shalom breaks down and when anything comes out of alignment. And so the crazy thing is, is it's not just this idea that God brings about, but it's actually we, we see in the Old Testament that it's something that we can bring, that actually Solomon is referenced as bringing shalom to the temple when he completes the temple, when he, when he actually finishes it. Uh, in the same way, in Exodus, uh, people, you know, God's people were commanded to, um, there's a specific command that says that if your cattle uh, trample someone else's field, you're to pay for the damages, you're to bring shalom to the situation, wholeness, completeness, restoration even. Um, and so uh, Proverbs even talks about that in terms of healing relationships that are broken. And so the idea behind the kings um, and this is all kind of like leading us towards Jesus in a big way in the Old Testament. But the idea behind the kings of Israel is they were supposed to be bringers of God's peace, his completeness, his shalom. And they um, often failed at that task, as we see over and over again in Kings and Chronicles and, and, and those places. So that's kind of the big uh, picture, but backstory to, you know, the depth and the full meaning of shalom in the Old Testament. It would be interesting to go back and look at the beginning of, of the idea of a king mm-hmm. in Israel. Yeah. You know, um, hey, you know what I just realized? That's our next series that we're doing. That is. First Samuel. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be in First Samuel forever. Um, so what would you say, if Shalom is completeness, mm-hmm. then, um, and, and maybe we tend to think of peace as a component of life, you know, like I want to have, even like kind of with Advent, you think of it as like one of the things, you know, that you want to have going on in your life. It'd be nice to have some peace, to have a sense of peace. Peace has its own place in life versus no, no, this term is actually the completeness, the goal of all of it. What would you say is a modern day, what is our version of completeness, you know, that we wish for each other? I don't expect you to know the answer to this off the top of your head, but... um, I would say, I would say a lot of times, I think our idea of completeness or wholeness is intricately tied to image. Um, how people see us, the image we project. We see other people in the image of like what we think of as their life, their perfect life, you know, especially I think with social media and how we see just parts and aspects of people's life, but we. We have this way of like thinking that's exactly how it is and their life looks perfect. Look at all these amazing things they're doing. Look at how happy their family looks. And so we we have our idea of peace and wholeness and completeness is tied, is image-based. And I think one big thing that is huge in our current culture is the idea of self-actualization. And being the best version of yourself and the only way that you'll get to any type of feeling of completeness and wholeness is the self-actualization um and actually like and i think it's a it's a great movie i really love it i watch it all the time with my kids but the latest toy story movie um toy story 4 is really about like woody finally coming to this place where instead of seeing his like purpose as like being a child's toy he kind of sees himself outside of that that like basically it's about woody becoming like self-dependent and not needing you know this other stuff and and that's kind of like how our world like i just need me and i'm enough and i think scripture calls us to 
understand our worth and our value and our identity, not in ourselves, but in Jesus, obviously. And so, um, but I think with our, with our world today, and, you know, if you want to tie that into, you know, image and stuff like that, but I think self-actualization is, I mean, we see it, you know, live your best life, you know, you only live once, all these different mantras that people have. And um, it's about being, you know, the best version of you. And usually that means the way our world's taking it is cut everything else out, cut everybody else, anybody that's, you know, quote unquote toxic. And we all have, I think, usually pretty low standards of what we deem, you know, toxic. It's just people that I, you know, have. Um, yeah, I, I think we see it especially with politics now. Like the re- maybe the reason, one of the reasons why we're so quick to write people off and not listen to them is, this self-actualization, these people are getting in my way of me living my best life, me, me being my best self, and so I'm just going to cut them out and not listen to them and talk to them. And so you, we kind of see all these things taking shape in our world today. And God's peace and completeness is about actually having wholeness and restored relationships in the midst of intricacy. I think we've gotten to the place where our lives are so intricate, so complex, that we say the only reason to have the wholeness and completeness that we search for is to cut all these other parts out and simplify it when Jesus is actually calling us to invite more in and he'll be the one that puts it together and holds it together. It's rather interesting when you think about it that Toy Story 3 ended with uh, Woody being like, you know, I'm a child's toy, I'm being, I'm being played with, I'm fulfilling my purpose. And then Toy Story 4 is basically Woody going, it's not about me being needed by a child or being a child's toy, it's about me being a lost toy which means I'm completely independent, like yeah. you said. And so even the idea of what like the end goal is yeah. changes oh, over yeah. time. Yeah. As as what we want it to be changes. Yeah. You know, I don't want I don't want my worth to be tied. But that yeah, and, and I, I think even like with the Toy Story reference, you see like that like how quickly that change has happened in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um it, but just it, it's the time it's the time of those two movies, what, like ten years or so? Mm-hmm. And how even just in the short span of 10 years, it was a pretty you know popular idea of you're worth being in, being of service and used to other, and then getting to this place of you don't need anyone else. That's actually holding you back from being the true you. And it's pretty widely accepted mm-hmm. to such a point that like it is a major theme of a children's movie even now. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, I've seen that in parenting where people, a lot of times early on in parenting will will be very ready to embrace the idea that uh, these little people need me and that gives my life value and purpose. Um, And then uh, like with the flip of a light switch, go to a place years later of like um, uh, who I am and my fulfillment shouldn't be tied to these people needing me. And uh, unfortunately the kids suffer, but um, I think it's a, it's a, it's interesting how we can at sometimes really lift up parenting as this noble thing. And then at other times say um, it's like a cheap substitute for some other way of living your life. Some other thing that you would do that brings you glory. And, um, and the idea is like, if your idea of completeness is I need something else in order 
to give me value. I need other people to care about me. I need to be depended on by something or whatever. Then it works that way. But then if you get to a point where you go, no, I need to be totally free of everything and totally independent. That's where my peace and my shalom and my completeness will come in. Then all the people in your life, all the relationships, all the family, all the commitments, the the idea of community, the idea of country, the idea of church, the idea of all those things is called into question because those things hold you back. Yeah. They, they, they don't let you be your true self. Yeah. And both are extremes, and we're not good at moderation, like in holding these things in tension. Jesus is like the only one that can help us hold these two extremes in tension. It, without him, we're going to go one way or the other, and it's going to be as quick as a Toy Story 3 to Toy Story 4 you know, movie timeline for us in our life. And I think it's why we see people go through even midlife crises and and all of these things because just a, 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 a something happens a switch gets flipped and all of a sudden we've gone from I'm here for these people to I'm here for myself and it's night and day difference and Jesus is the only one that can help us you know hold those two things in tension and and make sure that our worth is tied into something you know not our, just our, not ourselves who we are in Jesus and that being depended on by other people is also tied into Jesus has called us to serve them and love them. And so, and that's why, that's why it's such a big deal where with the, with the prophets, the prophets are like this hinge moment where we see this big idea of shalom and scripture and and what God wants to do and, and what his peace and completeness actually means. And yet we're failing at it all the time. We can't do it. Life's way too intricate. Stuff's breaking down. Relationships are broken and that's why when Isaiah comes along and says he's, you know, the Messiah is coming, he's going to be the Prince of Peace, it's, it's huge. And that's why, as we see, you know, his arrival, Jesus' arrival is the arrival of God's peace. That's what's declared as. And as we see the apostles through the New Testament talking about Christ, we, we see Paul uh, talking about in Romans chapter 5 that Jesus has made peace. He's brought completeness between us and God, that our relationship can be fully restored. But then... Uh, and, and that he's our completeness in, in Ephesians 2. But then in that same breath, Paul goes on to say, it's not just that he gives us completeness, but we become God's mode and medium of, of peace in this world. And so we're actually called to make peace. We're actually called to keep unity in the church through the bond of peace, it says. And that takes things like love and humility um, and patience and, and all these things that we find hard. Um, but ultimately what we see going on is peace requires a lot of work because it's about taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness and that's what God is working on and doing in our life and that's what Jesus has brought and we're going as the rich young man finds out and Jesus is telling him you're going to find it impossible to find and sustain this thing you want so desperately apart from there's actually um I didn't get to talk about it on Sunday either but there's this really interesting place in uh, second chronicles where um you don't hear that often. Yeah, 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 yeah no. Yeah. So uh, this is where I feel like Justin would be like nerds uh, because Second Chronicles is not, not a place that uh, uh, normal people would go to for interesting stuff. Yeah, um, but it, but it's talking about the reign of uh, King Amaziah and uh, the second verse and, and talking about this guy says he kept he kept all the commandments of God, but his whole heart was not in it basically. 
and it's one chapter about his reign, and it's it shows God first off blessing uh, what Amaziah does uh, because he is keeping the hearts. He's entered into life. He, he's able to sustain this to a degree, but there comes a point in one of the campaigns that uh, Amaziah decides to steal the Asherah poles of the people they've just conquered, and um, with that, everything comes apart. And so the idea is that we can keep these commandments, but if our entire heart is not in it, if everything that we are is not there, at some point we are going to look for more. We are going to feel like we are lacking something. We need something more, and we will run to things that are ultimately going to destroy us. And so Jesus says that the only way to maintain completeness in your life is to make sure that you are sold out to being completely mine. And I don't think that looks like perfection, as we would say, as people get, you know, weirded out by. What it means is, is our entire heart is up for grabs to God. And when God points something out we, and says, you need to give this over to me, um, we are willing and ready to do that. And we might struggle and have issues, but that's our desire. So, This interaction between Jesus and this man is so similar to an interaction that as pastors, uh, as a pastor, one often finds themselves having with people, which is a, and I'm not saying that we are Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that people ask that question in that way often. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the thing is that most of the time we're having conversations with people who have been Christians, who are already Christians, um, in terms of when we're talking about faith. And most of the time we're talking to people who have been Christians for a little while. And uh, they, uh, and so this question of, the, and there's also usually the presumption that I'm doing everything I can. Yeah. Um, or at least I've been doing things. And so this sense of I've done all that I can and yet there's something missing. I'm still, things still aren't complete. I'm still trying to figure out why it's going this way, why my life looks this way or this way, or just um, we're seeing like the evidence in a person's life of like, yeah, you're clearly divided in these things, the way that you're living. And the question is like, what else is there? The pressure that you feel, I think, I know I felt um, as somebody talking to a person in this kind of situation is I have to come up with something new. I have to come up with like a, what is the thing that, that they're lacking? Or what is the way to get somebody to maybe see that, that their heart's divided or whatever? And ultimately what Jesus is saying is what you end up feeling like, man, there's no other way to say this. It's just, um, it's not that you have one other or two other pieces that you need. It's that your heart isn't fully, uh, your heart is divided. Yeah. And so you think I'm all about these things, yeah. but really you're, you're not, because if you were, then you wouldn't be asking this question, exactly. you wouldn't be feeling this thing. And that's a normal part of being a Christian, but I just know that as a, uh, I know that as like somebody who's talking to, you know, people a lot, you, you basically, you go back to the same answer yeah. in so many situations because it isn't more complicated than that. We're complicating it. Mm -hmm. And, and it seems like what this rich young ruler is doing is he's basically, uh, instead of, being uh, having uh, his way of having a divided heart is complicating things. Yes. Yeah. He's saying it's got to be more complex than this. Yes. There's got to be more to it. There's got to be more about it. And I and I do think you find as a pastor often that it really isn't much more complicated than that. Yeah. You, know? you kind of feel like you're letting people down a lot of times because you feel like you're giving them the answer that's like 
it's like yeah. a Sunday school answer. The obvious answer. Yeah, the obvious answer. Mm-hmm. But it's I would say it's a simple answer. It's a it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to actually get yourself to that place mm-hmm. to want that to actually and, and and that's what that's another reason for Jesus's spirit that, that he helps us get to that place but we do have to be open to saying okay this is what God wants of me and what's more is I know that like I can't live divided in this way any longer and so I want I want that as well and I, I a term that you could say is like we cooperate with God's grace and his spirit and helping us to desire that and ask for that and actually giving him giving all of ourself over to him mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so how then does a person have a heart that is have a wholehearted this wholehearted sense of peace um without trying harder and working harder because those are the things that i associate with not having peace oh yeah I mean, that's even the rich young man's thing is, what do I have to do? You know, I, 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 tell me how to try harder and I'll do it. And probably I, I, I can say in my own life, what did it for me was having a clear understanding of how far away I actually was from Christ. I, I, about when, when left to my own devices, my own self, I will go so much further away from Jesus than I thought possible. I, I I would say I was pretty much like the rich young man, where it was, I have this one area, God, can you help me here? And he kind of brought me to a place, and he was like, no, 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 it's bigger than that. Like, you, your heart is divided, and, and knowing that your heart's divided, you see that now, you see where you'll go and what you'll do. And so I think for us, it is allowing the Holy Spirit to really bring us to a place and say, like, this is who you really are. And so once we can really see really like who we are when left to our own devices, we're like, okay, there's no possible way I can ever make it to Jesus. And there's the, the what do I do thing is just like, you're like, that is a ridiculous question to ask at this point. And so then that's the place that I think that you have, to, that you come to and you say, okay, it's Jesus, it's going to have to be you that does it. And I, that might be, that might be different for other people, but I don't feel like it's too much different because that, I mean, but that was, that's been my experience in that way. That's how I got to, that's how I personally got to a place of stop trying and know that it's, it's going to have to be, be wholehearted and undivided in my following and pursuit of Jesus. So you could say that a secular view of completeness is, you we use this word, actualizing, mm-hmm. basically finally being able to live out the truest form of who I am. Yeah. That would be the secular view of completeness in the modern culture today. Um, the biblical view, Jesus's view of completeness is, well, you're not wrong in uh, you do need to fully understand who you are, but unfortunately I've got bad news for you. Uh, that will lead to repentance. Yeah. If you fully understand who you are, then you will realize how broken that is. You will repent, which is painful and revolves letting go and turning back to face God. And then you can find peace in me fully. Yeah. And so as much as Christians are trying to combine finding peace in Jesus with our own efforts, yeah. we find ourselves exhausted. And when Jesus says, do this thing, we say, I can't do anymore. Yeah. 
the more that you come, the sooner that you come to realize what's really going on in your heart, yeah. the sooner you will repent and the sooner you will see peace in Jesus and that new process moving forward will not be an exhausting, tiring one. No. It will be a peace-filled one. Yeah. I, I would say the you know, what comes to mind is the secular view is it, it's a, like self-filling. What can I add? What There is a hole missing. I just got to stick something in that hole. And that's why we see people running after, you know, boats and RVs and, you know, jobs and houses, and which is that completeness is actually found in self-emptying and um, letting go of everything that you are and and what you think defines you and and gives you worth and meaning and what you can point to and say, look at this and and look at who I am because of it. Um, This is, you know, and that's what Jesus, Jesus's thing is, is you're holding on to this thing, this money with the rich young man, and it says so much about who you are. And so, you're never going to find completeness and wholeness and peace until you let that go because that means more to you than I do. And if you're looking for a little experiment, a way to prove this, it would be this. It's simple. Um, Think of two competing desires that exist within your own heart. Uh, I want this and I want this. I was talking to a friend recently who... um, uh, we were talking about marriage and about being a parent and about and about the things in life that change when those things happen. And we were talking about one wanting um, to uh, experience like kind of the the well, we were just talking about like the sort of freedom that you that you experience when you're younger and you didn't have these relationships in your life and you could just kind of do whatever. And there were no expectations on you. Yeah. The freedom that comes from no expectations on you. And then we were talking about like the deep, meaningful, like the desire of having a person like love you and care about you and know you, right? So I have this, my heart has this like huge desire to just be, I guess, happy and enjoy life, which means I do what I want. Yeah. My heart wants that. Like I, that's not just something, I mean, I, I, it is hard. The friend I was talking to, we were saying it's hard to end the day knowing that you haven't done something that, that you, you that you like yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's just that fills stuff. you up that fills yeah. you up mm-hmm. yeah yeah like even if it's just watching netflix for 30 minutes even if it's like you know whatever it is it's just like that's okay good i did something today that was that filled me up and that that was fun and then there is another part of my heart that genuinely wants like these this like meaningful relationship with a person that only comes through self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I want this thing that only comes through sacrificing myself, right? Um, and uh, and on the other hand, I want the happiness and freedom that come from no one depending on me and never having to sacrifice myself. My heart genuinely wants these two things. You see it in. I don't think there is any, there's the movie, uh, there's this movie, that movie La La Land, um, where, uh, have you seen La La Land? I haven't seen it, actually. It's like one of the, yeah, it's one of the few that we could talk about. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Um, And the great thing about this movie is that kind of follows the idea of people with ambition who also are, like, then there's, like, this idea of love. And you have to, you love ambition, love ambition. And what the movie does well is it shows that they are not going to lead to the same place always Mm -hmm. uh the the unrealistic movie is the one where oh look i fell in love i i I followed that path they got it all 
and yeah. it worked out in my ambition. Yeah. But the truth is that people who, um, you know, you can't pursue both those yeah. things that your heart wants. There's this movie called uh, In the Wild yeah. where the guy wants to go experience all the fullness yeah. of life mm-hmm. by journeying and free, being free. And then he realizes in the end, I've alienated myself from all these relationships. I want it, two things. It makes me think of what's the Nicolas Cage? Um, Face Chris, off. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the first That's Nicolas first Cage off. movie, uh, where the Christmas movie where he uh, yes, the Family uh, Man, Family Man, yeah, it, it, it's that idea. Mm-hmm. You you can't have both of these things, and, yeah, we, but you want both of them. Yeah, I mean, you want you want two different things, and they both mean a lot. Your heart that that we we would like to believe that there's like math going on in our heart, and that somehow it equals out to a hundred or something, yeah. and it just doesn't. So do that experiment. If you want, ask yourself honestly, like when, like, what are these things that my heart has or really wants? Do they always line up or are some of them direct enemies of the other ones? Mm -hmm. Does one directly take away from the other one? If that's true, then you can never know peace by just getting those different things that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're always going to be pulling apart that they're going to create gaps and things are going to break down and shalom will break down in your life. The only thing that brings it all together is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about? Okay. That's good. Well, I mean, I can't think of a better note to end it on than that. <laughs> um, you know, we had talked about kind of wanting to end these with sort of a an application or sort of a uh, something that that would apply spiritually and I think we we basically kind of found ourselves getting there yeah. um, you know I, I I think that the you know if you don't feel like we did that you can give feedback to Ed Grover <laughs> at <laughs> annual meeting at OCC.net which yeah. definitely is not being shut down today yeah. so our practical application point for you today is to do that little part experiment and uh, the thing is, the more honest you are with yourself, the better you can lie to yourself all day and say like, oh, no, that's not, you know, my heart doesn't want anything or whatever, but then it just won't work out. But um, I think if you do that, you will realize that your weariness oftentimes comes not from uh, you're not trying hard enough or no, no, that your weariness uh, is not coming from God expects too much out of me more than I can do. It's, uh, it's that God actually expects uh, something different than what, you know, you're trying to give. He's just trying to let you know what you need to let go of. Yeah. Let go and let God <laughs> yeah. is what you would say. Yeah. Let Jesus take the wheel. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, on that note, um, it looks like that's it for today. Um, as always, uh, I want to thank uh, Matt. Um, do you know what's funny is I think we end these by saying shalom. By saying shalom. Mm-hmm. So that's funny. I didn't even, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, well, on that note then, um, until next week, shalom. And that's why we see people running after, you know, boats and RVs and, you know, jobs and houses and all these things. I mean, those things also sometimes just get out of control. They're running down a hill. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's usually why I see people running after <laughs> yeah, yeah, boats yeah. and RVs. Yeah, you forgot to put the emergency brake on. And, but, you know. Um, but, but you're speaking metaphorically. Yeah, yeah, more metaphorically. Of a new day, it hit me from out of the blue.